Hello again, Dwayne Brummett here with Allie Alvarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Uh, Allie, good morning, sir. Hey, good morning to you as well. 11.30 Eastern Standard Time. I seem to have a problem with that this morning, whether it was Eastern or, you know, uh, Pacific or Mountain. So, I mean, hopefully there'll be people on this podcast with us uh, hearing it live and, and seeing it live. But if not, people love the recorded versions of what we do as well. Yeah, and, you know, we get a lot of uh, downloads uh, for uh, um, uh, our recordings and stuff, you know, with the podcast. So that's that's always yeah. fun to see the, those stats on that. Hey, um, uh, just wanted to um, uh, let you know that um, the, uh, you know, obviously we're broadcasting this in, you know, this this podcast is broadcasted inside the private group. And right. I just wanted to make an announcement for those of you that are listening to the podcast that want to be a part of that private group, because there'll be other things that we'll be discussing inside the private group besides just um, the, uh, the podcast in and of itself, the, you'll want to... Uh, uh, make a request to do that. And so the URL for that, oh gosh, it's a bunch of numbers. But if you just go to uh, facebook.com forward slash uh, school owner talk, um, we'll, uh, there, there's, there's postings on there. But if you go, the easiest way will be go to schoolownertalk.com. Um, and there's a link on schoolownertalk.com to uh, uh, request to be a private member in our school owner talk group. Right, right, exactly. And and what what's the reason why we decided? I mean, I think we should point out to the the listeners of what we why we're doing a private group and why it's important that we keep it private and so on. Right. Well, first of all, it was kind of funny. We had talked about this. I would say probably for the last two or three weeks uh, about right. probably doing something like this. And then in our last podcast, while we were doing it live, uh, you and I thought that somebody hacked uh, into our system. Well, all they did was duplicate. Uh, they made a duplication right. of our site, and yes. then they were posting as if they were us. Um, so yeah. with that, obviously, that's going to allow us to uh, be able to broadcast and only let school owners be able to see this and not, uh, I don't know, some moron. Um, but then uh, yeah. uh, the other thing, the other thing is that there are sensitive issues that I think school owners deal with and want to talk about and have a conversation that you know, the general public doesn't need to be privy to, you know? Right. Uh, they just don't yes. They just don't need to be privy to that. You know, maybe years later uh, when it's a non-issue and it's already been solved or what have you, then it's okay maybe to broadcast that. Uh, I know right. that when I was going through uh, what I had gone through with that one instructor who had held some people hostage and then ended up killing them and, and himself yeah. and that type of thing, that wasn't something that I wanted broadcasted and discussed at that time. Um, right. Now, uh, I don't know, gosh, probably 16 years later, uh, you know, talking about that is not an issue for me. I mean, it's not a bright spot in our, <laughs> in our history. Right, uh, right. But uh, so there's and, – and hopefully nobody ever has a, uh, an incident like that, my gosh, um, that they have yeah. to, uh, you know, navigate through. So, you know, that's the biggest reason I think we wanted to make a private group is because we wanted uh, we wanted individuals, you know, our, our, our fellow school owners to be able to uh, listen to conversations, get into conversations uh, that might be sensitive issues, and we could, you know, one, talk intelligently and respectfully with one another, but the general public doesn't necessarily need to hear all of uh, that information. Yeah, and I think, too, like, 
I mean, I, I don't think I, I, I get mad at myself when I say I think because I actually know the answer. So I shouldn't say I think I, I know that at times people perceive things from their own perspective. Right. So if we may be talking about, you know, ex, uh, ex parent, um, but in reality, another parent may be listening and they might think we're talking about them. You know, and, and so we, we can't be specific. And also, too, some of the topics, like, you know, we're talking business, so people think that we're just business people. And, um, and re- the, it's, you know, we are business owners, but at the same time, we're martial arts school owners, school owners or martial artists first and foremost. So, um, you know, I'll give you an example. Last night I had a chat with one of my parents in reference to a schedule change. And I could tell by the way they asked the question and, and the way the question was phrased that, they were wondering if they're, and I said, well, what's, what's your concern? Well, you know, and they were concerned that because we added another belt level into the group that their child, who's a middle rank going for, you know, her stripes on her brown, that she may get less training or not get the quality of training or not get her material focused on. And um, that's so far from the truth because we teach every individual what they need to know. We don't teach group classes and just as a bulk, we make sure that, you know, this person knows exactly what they need to pass their tests and move on. So, but it's perception. And sometimes that perception is reality to them. So it's really, really important for us, of course, to, to make sure that we keep some of those things a little bit private at times. Yeah, absolutely. So I am uh, really excited about our topic today. What makes a successful yeah. uh, teacher? Do you want to give a, a little background on, on why we are discussing this? Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, and then maybe you could do it from your point of view as well, is that um, there are so many legs or so many pillars, right, that make up a successful school. Um, a majority of it is in the the physical technique and the and the teaching methodology and the curriculum, and the other side of it is pure business practices. Now, schools can fail or succeed depending on what they're good at. So in other words, for example, um, you could be the greatest fighter, the greatest martial artist. You could have won, um, you know, 35 million MMA matches and, you know, death fights and all this other stuff. Um, and you open up a school thinking that that's going to keep you going and you could close. And I've seen this happen. You know, sometimes a school could hang in there for a year, maybe a year or two. Um, and then eventually they go out of business, right? And, um, and because they don't have all the components of what it takes to be a, a complete owner, right? And, um, you know, so there are the business aspects, there are the spiritual aspects, there's the physical aspects, there's so many different points of view. So, I mean, I might be coaching someone on the phone, and I know their physical skills, but I might be coaching them, um, and I, I just know they're not going to do well. They don't have the personality, they just don't have the wherewithal, they don't understand business, they don't understand the separation of the two, and um, that's why I think this is a really exciting topic because this kind of gives a school owner um, a good understanding of what need, is needed to, to be done. And if they can't do it all themselves, that's fine, right? We'll talk about that too. Um, but that's my perspective. What's what's yours? I, well, number one, I totally agree with that. Uh, secondly, you know, I, I, I like for me personally, I found myself being the teacher before I ever was a business owner. And right. so, you know, I, I had to learn how to do the business uh, end of it. Not that I didn't have to learn how to do teaching. I would say for me, some of the natural things uh, came, uh, or some of the things for, with teaching, some of the topics we're going to talk about actually came fairly natural 
to me. I right. was the, uh, or I still am, the oldest of, of two other siblings, you know, so the oldest out of three. I kind of always took charge or was directive, um, you know, uh, I was responsible for things. And, and I'm not saying that, uh, you know, middle child or, or even youngest child doesn't have those properties. That's not what I'm saying or those attributes, right. but I, and then my dad died when I was young. So I was kind of thrusted into, uh, uh, you know, more of a leadership position, if you will, like a dad role. And so, mm-hmm. um, I think some of these things I would say, you know, naturally, yes, but, but some were quickly learned, um, you know, mm-hmm. in order to be effective, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, listen, we so, also made mistakes and I feel bad as I was growing as a martial art teacher, I made mistakes along the way and some people were swept up in those mistakes and, and they weren't, you know, bad mistakes, but it could have been that I was much more of a hard nose. I didn't know how to communicate. There's so many different things. Yeah. But that's why you had cheaper prices back then. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that's for sure. Um, and, you know, I remember I, I used to charge $45 a month, you know, and now 35. it's like, yeah. So, and, and yeah. you know, and I still had people bicker at the price. Oh my God, you're charging 45 bucks a month. But, um, you know, it's interesting though. It's like uh, there literally should be a martial arts school for school owners that literally, it covers everything. Um, you know, that they need to do in order to be a great business owner slash teacher. Like, for example, um, you know, how to how to connect with students. You know, I I have a knack for the gift of gab and, and being able to talk. And, and I meet people like with, I, I'm online at the supermarket and I befriend people. and We start chatting like my, my fiance, Nicole, is like, I don't know how you know. How do you talk to everybody you meet and see? Like, how do you do I- that? I, yeah, I like that about you because I'm not like that. I mean, if I start up a conversation or, or, or I get a conversation started, yes, I can uh, do that. But I am not outgoing like that like you are. Yeah. Um, I, I, I envy that. Yeah, I meet people. I, I look at it every opportunity as an opportunity to make a new friend, a new acquaintance. Like, I love just chatting with people. I mean, I'll, I'll talk, and here's the thing. I, you know, in our school, in our first level, I was teaching this to my kids yesterday. We have a, we have a saying. Um, it's the traits of a ninja, uh, is, uh, honesty, integrity, and interest in everything. Meaning that you should learn how to be interested in even things that you might find to be boring. So you don't live in this little tiny bubble. So I've, I've been in, um, at parties with CEOs that are, that are, you know, CEOs of fortune 500 companies making millions and millions of dollars. And they're always going, Hey, you're a martial. They want to talk about martial arts. I was there to try to pick their brain on how they became these titans in business. And they want to talk about martial arts. And I'm like, no, no, let's talk about business. But I'm able to carry on conversations with surgeons and doctors and health professionals. Like, and it's because I try to find out enough knowledge about everything so that I can actually talk the talk. And I'm not saying just learn it for the sake of faking it. I mean, just have some interest. That's all you need to do. So that's really important. What I find the deficit, though, in many school owners is they get caught up in the thick of things and they never take time to study to be a good, to be a good student. They shut down and then they just start to become this business person or this teacher and they stop learning. And that's a big issue, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into some of these uh, uh, topics here, or some of these attributes of what makes a good a uh, good teacher. I, I I wrote down a a list of different things and uh Great. and then you can chime in. I know you you, yeah. you you uh uh not that you don't write lists, but you're so smart that you can remember all the stuff up here. You're very um, you're very com- you're very complimentative today. You're making me embarrassed. I don't really feel that way. So I dude, I'll forget 
I'll get up right now to go get coffee in the kitchen and I'll forget why I went in there and I'm in the kitchen going like, what's, what's going on? So I love oh, lists. I, I'll forget I, heard a, everything. A great, I heard a great technique, by the way, not to get off the rabbit trail here, but uh, when you walk into a room and you forget, um, you're supposed to look left and right and left and right and left and right because something to do with, you know, the uh, different sides I'm of the brain when you're, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's supposedly supposed to help you, by the way. I did do it once oh. and it worked once, but I haven't done it since. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, let me just quick, quick, and when we do tactical firearms and you're done blowing off the, you're shooting your magazine, you're supposed to look left, look right, take a breath. And, and that's why a lot of Marines or soldiers will say, hoo and they breathe out because when you look left, you look right, it clears tunnel vision. So it's very, what you said, it makes total sense, right? So even just the eye look probably clears it. How cool is that? Yeah. So uh, the first one I wrote down, uh, successful teachers have clear objectives. So if you want to be a successful teacher, you need to have clear objectives um, when you step out on that floor to teach, you know, whatever. So, like, what would, what would constitute a clear objective? Number one is uh, your curriculum with regards to the requirements, obviously, all the way up to, let's say, to Black Belt and beyond. Um, but then those are broken down to what's the requirement at each belt level, uh, what's the requirement that is going to be taught um, in this, let's say it takes three months every time to test. What's the requirement that's going to be, you know, uh, required for those three months? And then you break it down into lesson plans. Um, but then that needs to be clearly um, communicated, right? It needs to be clearly communicated to your students. So, for instance, um, you know, what's going to happen today? Here's my objectives today, or here's what we're going to work on today. And then that right. needs to make sure that that's communicated to your students as well so that they have, uh, you know, the, uh, the roadmap for that day. So we don't step into a car, right? We don't step into the car and go to some place that we don't know how to get without first putting it now into Google Maps or something. I, I, I personally use, uh, I use Waze, W-A-Z-E, that app. Yeah, I love, love it. The best. Love it. Love it. But we don't do that. Like if I want to go to your house, Allie, here from, you know, uh, Illinois to, to, to um, uh, New York, I'm going to I'm going to put it in my my maps, right? And so it's going to give me clear objective objectives on on where I'm going and where I need to turn right type of thing. So I I think that's and by the way, when we go through these, they're in no particular order. So we have not put these in any any type of uh, uh necessary order. I'm going to actually type them. So if you hear me typing, I'm typing what you're saying and then I'm going to after we get a bunch of them, I'll pop them up on the page. Okay. Yeah, I can hear you typing by the way. You need to get a softer yeah. keyboard. I know. I guess I got something that doesn't make so much loud noise, right? I just, you know what? I, and I, off topic though, I just got this one, and it's like super, super silent. So, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna uh, type something. But can you hear anything? No, just a little. Yeah, it's here, there. Yeah, it's super, super soft. Anyways, uh, it's a what is it? I don't know what it is. But anyways. Um, so that's the first one I had written down. Anything with regards to clear objectives that you want to add Well, well I, I, I love it. Like I wrote down clear objectives, curriculum and what is necessary for the student to progress, a clear roadmap, which a map is a massive action plan, like how you're going to achieve your results, um, which, which you said is a curriculum and the lesson plan. Um, and really what's expected of them and what, you know, what they need. And it's interesting. I just was talking to a, um, a client of mine and we were talking about his school and how he could increase retention, right? And we talked about, we're trying to figure out the holes in the bucket for this particular individual. And, um, it, it 
I don't think that they – he's very restricted because his teacher – He's not allowed to give his curriculum out on paper. He's not allowed to have it written in a book. You know, there's a lot of this old school um, restrictions that teachers do that stunt the growth of their student schools. But anyway, long story short, you know, his students don't know where they're going. They don't know what's expected. In fact, they have to learn a move, write it down, and, and they make their own their own library of, of a technique. So it's okay for the student to uh, uh, write down the curriculum, but the instructor can't. Yeah, well, the instructor has it, but he won't share it. And their reasons were that they didn't want. No, 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 no. no. I understand. Uh, I understand the reasons, but but yeah. really, they're writing. They're writing the curriculum. Yeah. If they really do their due diligence, they're writing the curriculum. So just the right. thought process of that is ridiculous. Right, right, right. So for me, so I was trying to say to them, okay, listen, let's work on giving them at least, even if he can't, with all of his restrictions. I said, what if you did like a week every month? that you just did a clear understanding of what that person needs to learn. They write it down, you teach it, and then you share it with the parents so that so the parents can monitor where that child or the student can monitor where they are going and where they need to be. Because in our society, sadly, we don't sit around <laughs> going like, I'll, I'll get it when I get it. I'm just enjoying the journey. It's almost like on you got it, and I don't know if you do this on Waze, but I on the map app, I do it, and I'll like, fast forward ahead to see like where how much further I have or I look on the cheat notes it says you know 21 minutes and four you know 42 miles and I I, if I know that I feel better like but if I'm not sure I feel like it's going to come up on me too quick and I'm going to get lost so it's the same mindset with having clear objectives for the student that's what I love about what you're saying so yeah let's move on to number two all right next one is a successful teacher Uh, they have to have a sense of purpose and so like, for me, I, I have a passion for teaching kids. Not that I won't teach adults, but my mm-hmm. my drive is really to make a difference uh, with the younger population. Specifically, for me, my favorite uh, ages are uh, first, second, and third graders. A little bit of fourth graders, mm-hmm. but first, second, and third graders specifically. Now, once I develop a relationship with the first, second, and third graders, obviously when they become fourth, fifth, sixth, I still have that passion for them. It's not that I don't. But what I'm saying is I just feel like uh, my mentality maybe just connects better with the uh, first, second, and third graders. So right. a successful teacher, uh, in order to have, um, you know, in order to have a, uh, a, a really good time on the floor and to know that uh, you've actually accomplished something, you have to have a sense of purpose. Um, and I think it, it's important to even, you know, ha- have a, a mission statement for and I know that's getting into a lot of uh, writing and all this other stuff, but but uh, you know your purpose is basically your mission statement, um, and then you act that out on the floor. Right, right. Well, I love what you just said too. Like I, I've been teaching so much more, and, and you know I I have to admit I went through a period of time where I was you know not teaching as much as I am now, and um, I was relaxing, healing, you know all this other stuff, and um, now I'm back out on the floor, but. You know, sometimes I'm tired and I tell my fiance, like, I don't know. I don't even know if I want to go to it tonight. And then I get there, just like we tell our students, parents, you know, when the kids, uh, Johnny doesn't want to go, we'll get him there and he's going to have a blast. So the minute I get there, I'm like a little kid. I'm having a fun time. I know every kid's name. I'm schmoozing and talking to the parents and getting to know them better. And um, that is so, so important that we have a good relationship where, you know, we, we are connecting. I, I, that's probably just the best and simplest way is to connect 
with your students and the families on, on that level. And you will have, you will develop raving fans. Absolutely. So what was your number two summary on that? Give me the, the what you said. I'm gonna, I didn't type it. I didn't want to make too much noise. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you know, you have to have a sense of purpose. So whatever uh, motivates you, you know, whatever your purpose is or whatever your drive is for, uh, you know, what's the reason? What is the reason that you got into martial arts in the first place, right? And that needs to be right. acted out on the that needs to be acted out on the floor. You know, right. for me personally, it was to change the lives of kids. Um, and I knew what the martial arts had done for me as an adult because I didn't start till I was 17 years of age. Yeah. And so I knew what it did for me. And if I can make that same thing happen at that young age, oh my gosh, they're going to be so much farther off than I ever was. Yeah. And you know what's interesting, and I'll add to that, too, is we live in a very pessimistic society. So, like, sometimes our motives can be misunderstood, right? Like, we're, like I want Johnny to come to this special seminar. Oh, that's because you want to make money. No, I want him to come because I want him to be awesome. Like, you know, and sometimes people have this negative view, and not saying it has anything to do with you or your school or my school or whatever. Just people see things from that point of view. So we clearly have to explain to them our, our sense of purpose. Like I had with this one family that was concerned with their child getting the curriculum. I'm like, it is my ultimate goal. I don't know why people don't get that. My ultimate pride and joy would be to see that child become an amazing martial artist and black belt. Someone that I could be, like, this is my martial art daughter. You know, she's, she's amazing. You know, I'm proud of her. Look at her. Bring her to tournaments. And here's another funny thing, like bring her to tournaments and show her off when parents might go, but yeah, that tournament's expensive and you just want them to go to a tournament. No, I'm proud of them. Like you would be showing them off as your own child and bringing them to your, um, you know, whatever, to the game and so on. So um, we have to make sure that we clearly, clearly explain our sense of purpose, why we're in, um, why we're doing it and why it benefits them. And by the way, just as an aside note, um, this isn't about this call, but but your purpose should be um, uh, conveyed in such a way also into your marketing pieces as well. So that's just right. uh, a, a little freebie. Right. All right. right. So uh, next, next is teachers, uh, successful teachers know when to listen to the students and when to ignore them. Yeah. All right. They know when to listen to the students and when to ignore them. All right. And this is the concept of, uh, you know, discernment, if you will. You know, some kids are going, I mean, we, we, we hear our students, but we not always do they need to be listened to. And that's a, and that's a big one. Um, yeah. They need to be heard, but they don't have to necessarily be listened to. Um, we need that relationship. They need to know that we, you know, that we know we, uh, that we, we like them, we know them, we, we, we care about them. But um, they, they're not always... Uh, their feelings don't – I mean, they need to be validated, but they don't have to be accepted, if that right. makes sense. You right. know, yeah, I understand you're tired. I get it. Or, you know, yeah, I understand this is tough or uh, whatever it is. But in right. addition to that, we need to be doing this. When You know, yeah. the old saying, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. You know, so, mm-hmm. so you know, uh, we need to have some discernment on whether that – that need when we're listening to the student really needs to be taken care of or it can be ignored. And you know what? This is a lesson for the parents as well, right? Like I had a dad who just signed his child up yesterday and, and his, 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 um, he was reserved about signing up that day because he wanted to see 
whether his child would would like it. And he wanted to have a conversation with him to make sure that they understand it's a commitment. Now, I, I said to them, I said, you know, you do realize that you're the parent, right? And you're going to make a decision and many decisions, and you probably are making tons of them right now, that you're not asking their opinion. And um, by the way, this is a five-year-old that we're talking about, right? So we can't ask a five-year-old, do you understand commitment? Because half the 50-year-olds in our world don't know commitment. They don't know what loyalty and honor and integrity is, right? They, they just kind of wing it. It's not a thing that's being taught on a regular basis. So it's really important for us to make sure that the parent is on board and understands that this is the parent's decision. They believe in the program and what the kids are going to get out of it. So when there are tough times and when there are struggles, they're not going to allow them to quit, if that makes sense. It, well, of course, it makes perfect sense. Um, next one, successful teachers uh, have a positive attitude, all right? Uh, this is hands down, I think, one of the most important things. A successful teacher has to have a positive attitude. They need to, and by the way, obviously, you know, positivity breeds positivity, right? When you're positive yes. and you're around people, those individuals that you're around become, it's, it, 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 uh, it's contagious. And so they, yeah. they start to pick up on that. So you need to have an upbeat mood. Your energy level needs to be up. Um, I always tell my instructors that when you, uh, you know, singe that belt, boom, as soon as you singe that belt, Everything else doesn't matter. You're in, you know, you're in your own, you're in the karate world now. And uh, right. I speak about that this is my happy place. Mm -hmm. You know, this is where I'm happy. Uh, I do also right. say that, you know, uh, this is where I'm happy. And if somebody else isn't happy, well, I'm not the one that's leaving. Uh, but that's not right. even the topic we're yeah. talking about. But, but th it is. This is your happy place. So when you step in, um, it doesn't matter what happened. And I'll give, I'll, I'll give you a quick for instance. One of my instructors who went away to – he was my head instructor for the time until he went away to the Marines. Well, he had a bad day. And uh, the culmination uh, of the bad day ended up that he was on his way to work and, uh, you know, other things that went wrong during out the day. Well, he had a flat tire. And so he's on the side of the road changing a tire. It took him a while. Uh, he barely made it to work on time, uh, came in. I did not know any of that happened. I didn't know anything happened earlier in the day. I didn't know that his tire, you know, had to change his tire. Um, up until the end of the night when we had finished and everybody was gone and we're cleaning and we're all just kind of talking and joking around afterwards, and that's when he told me. I mean, that is the epitome of having a positive attitude when you're out on the floor. Your day right. went, you know, crappy, but when you're out on that floor, it doesn't matter. So a successful teacher has to have a positive attitude. Yeah, and you know what, too? You're right, though. Positivity breeds positivity, right? And complacency breeds contempt, too. When people get used to you, they start to look at you differently. You know, they'll pick on certain things and, and pick on things that are not real. So rather than, uh, you know, saying, oh, wow, how lucky am I? They're going, well, I'm really lucky, but I can't believe there's a cobweb in the corner or someone didn't hit the garbage with a tissue paper. You know, like, uh, you know, I had a person who said to me, you know, that tissue paper's been there for a day, and I go, oh, I, I don't see it. Oh, it's behind the pail. I'm like, why could, if it was bothering you, why didn't you just pick it up and throw it away? You know, like, right. you know so, but sometimes people, they thrive on the negativity. And you're right, though, your teachers, your, the people who represent you have to be super positive. I once had a mom, I mean, we're talking 20 years ago, who quit my school, and she told me the reason why. She said, you're way too positive. She goes, when I'm around you, I don't feel comfortable. You're too positive. And I'm like, I, I, I guess that's a good thing, right? I mean, 
at least it's not, I'm not around you because you're negative. It was, I'm, I can't be around you because you're way too positive all the time. You look through things through rose colored glasses. I go, that's my job as the teacher is to motivate the students. Right. So anyway, right. okay. So cool. That's a good one. Number four. Now we're on five. All right. Uh, next one. Successful teachers expect their students to succeed. Successful teachers expect their students to succeed. Um, so, the students need to know that we believe in them, right? Yeah. And so the only way that they're going to know that is if if they see that our expectations for them are to be up here, you know, meaning higher than where they are right now. Um, right. So we need to create it. Uh, we need to make sure that we create an environment. Number one, that it's okay to fail. But then um, from that, uh, you know, that we're able to motivate our students to keep on trying until they reach the expectations that we've set for them. Right. Um, right. Or, you know, hopefully that they have set for themselves, maybe it might even be higher than what we've set for them. Yeah. So, uh, again, um, you know, the and the only way that we're going to do that is if we really know our students. We need to, you know, take uh, take an inventory of their abilities and then, you know, obviously make a, the right decision on where our expectations should be for them. Uh, you know, I often tell parents that, um you know, let's say that I have this scale from one to ten, you know, and then you've got mm-hmm. the one on one side, ten on the other, and then in between you have the two, the three, the four, the five, the six, all the way up. Right. And I say, you know, look, let's say that my expectations for everybody, by the time that they test for their black belt, they should be a number seven. Right? Right. And, you know, this this one kid will come in and he'll be a, uh, he'll be a three. Right? And right. by the time he tests for his black belt, he's a six. Right. And then the next kid comes in, and, and uh, he's a five. And by the time he tests for a black belt, he's a seven. Mm-hmm. Well, then you have the other one that comes in, and he's a negative three. And by the time he tests for a black belt, he's a positive four. Now, who right. improved the most? Right. Right? Who improved the most? And so we have to take an inventory of each of our students and then uh, then we put the expectations on where we believe they should be or where they can go. Right. Would I love that everybody be a 7, 8, 9, 10? Absolutely. And eventually, maybe so, because I can tell you that sometimes those negative threes that end up being a four by the time they test for second degree, they're a seven, if not right. an eight, because those right. are the people that know how to work the hardest, right? Yeah. They do, because they have to. And so, again, a sex, uh, a sex, a successful uh, teacher uh, expects their students to uh, uh, to succeed. Yeah, and and here's one thing to add on it and onto that is that we have to educate the families, the parents, the students that we as successful teachers have the students' best interest in mind. So what happens is we create this dynamic, or in, in society now the dynamic is it's like parents versus the school system. It's parents versus the teacher when it should be one complete team. Because if I'm at odds with you uh, and I'm like, oh, Mr. Brahma, you know, my son's not doing too well. You're not really teaching them. You're mean to him. You're hard on him, blah, blah, blah. That environment will create nothing but but uh, stress and it will ruin the relationship. However, if I say, hey, Mr. Brummett, you know, my son, he needs a little bit of work. What do you suggest? What could I do? How can we as a team make that happen, right? So our ultimate goal is for our students to be the most amazing students they could ever be. I've never in my life ever really desired for a student to stink. 
Like I never wanted to hold them back because I didn't want them to be good. I might have held them back because I wanted them to be even better, but sometimes families don't see this or a student may, you know, Shian Alley's too hard on me. He's always pushing me to do my techniques this way or whatever. And that's because we care. And ultimately we want them to be the best possible students ever. So we, yeah, yep. obviously number five, student te- uh, successful teachers expect their students to succeed. That's awesome. All right, next one. Successful teachers have a sense of humor. All right, we have to have humor. Now, if you're if you're living on the side of America where Allie lives, then you don't say yeah. the word humor. You drop the H and say humor because I've heard you say that right. before. So humor. Uh, you have to have a, yeah, humor. Yeah. You so you have to have a sense of humor. Um, I think humor is so important. It makes connections. It makes a lasting impression. I think it also reduces uh, stressful situations or frustrating yeah. situations. Um, it might even give a, a, a different perspective mm-hmm. to the, uh, you know, for that individual, be able to see it from a different point of view. Um, and by the way, I would say that probably your favorite teachers that you ever had in life um, probably had a good sense of humor, right? They were maybe yeah. even hysterical, but 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 yeah. they but they were any good speakers that you listen to have a sense of humor. I remember Zig Ziglar always saying, you know, I always within every seven he always says any what was it every seven to nine minutes I always put a funny in okay. there to capture your attention uh, to make right. sure that you're listening. That's also a pattern interrupt, which is a teaching technique. But with that being said, you know, a sense of humor is so important for a martial arts instructor. Yeah, and you know what? Understanding that um, you know every student is different, and they understand jokes in a different way too. That's important because I've had people that I clearly made a joke, and they just didn't see it as a joke, or I, or I clearly you know was trying to be funny with them and be lighthearted, and they took it the wrong way. The only bad thing about us as teachers is that people always hold us to a different standard than they would hold other people because we're you know, they have reverence or we're the leader. Like, I've joked with parents and they've taken it the wrong way like I was being mean. And I'm like, you do realize that I'm joking with you, right? Like, you know, they were taken back by, it. oh, okay, I, I, now they're laughing, you know. At first they took it the wrong way. So we have to be just careful at your approach and make sure you're doing it with the right people or knowing that people clearly know that you're being funny, that you're making a joke. Right, exactly. Right? So, yeah, so what did Frank wrote, uh, make teachers – seem approachable it makes a teacher seem approachable not a deity i get that that's awesome except when i come to bermuda when i want when i go to bermuda (laughs) i want to make sure that they you know they treat me good over there just kidding just joking (laughs) (laughs) all right number seven next one successful successful teachers uh use praise but they use it um genuinely or authentically um You know, it's good, obviously, to praise students, but we have to praise them for um, uh, genuine things, authentic things. Uh, I think one of the things is I think it's important to, to, to praise approximate success. I think that's important. You never, ever praise someone just because you feel like you need to praise them, you know, and right. it's a false praise where they, they, they didn't really deserve it. You know, if it wasn't a good job, don't tell them it was a good job. Now, you know, uh, like in our field trips, we we uh, we teach the kids how to do a handshake, right? And mm-hmm. um, our martial arts our martial arts field trips, we teach them how to do a handshake. And and one of the things is I have these leaders, these teachers and helpers that are standing up, 
And uh, I teach the kids how to do a handshake, but then I actually turn to the parents and the, the, the teachers that are there, and then I tell them that, um, you know, I want them to use a concept that we call PCP. And I look at one of the parents, and I say, well, not the drug, you know. Uh, it's called right, praise, praise, correct praise. Praise, correct praise. Yeah, yeah, and then I tell them, you know, praise, correct praise refers to the unique teaching style, which encourages, encourages students to consistently improve while effectively providing feedback necessary for them to correct their errors. And they all just kind of look at me like, uh, what did he just say? Yeah. And I say, basically, what we want to do is we want to praise them for uh, something that they did right. Now, man, the hands, the handshake could have been horrible, but if they walked up to you and you say, man, I, I really like how you approached me. That was good. And if you would just grab my hand a little bit harder, that would make the handshake that much better. Let's try that again. And so then I have them do it again. And then I use your thing because I learned this from you. And then I tell them, remember, ands, no buts. You use ands, right. no buts. And I explain right. to them that, you know, what that means and what have you. But, but I even teach them how to use praise authentically, um, you know, to the, and, and, and I tell them it's okay. It's okay to uh, praise approximate success. But don't praise yeah. something that they did not do correctly. There could be an aspect of what they did that's correct. Right. And then we yeah. work on the other. So, so that's what I would say. Successful teachers use praise uh, um, truthfully. Yeah, genuine. They're authentic about it. And it's interesting. I, I learned this in a very, very clear way with my Japanese teacher. So there's a word in Japanese called it's kenpeki, which means perfect, right? So I would say kenpeki desu. It's perfect, right? And my teacher would say, no, it's not. You got to say sugoi desu, which means it's good. He says, rarely are people perfect, right? If it's perfect, they don't need to be corrected. They should be the master's teaching, right? So it was a very clear definition in the Japanese language between the two. And I love that because it's not like, okay, how did I do? Sugoi desu, you know, you did good. But kenpeki is like, there's no question that you were perfect in every way. So I thought that that was pretty interesting, you know, how, how he put that to me. And it's right. It's about genuine, genuine um, correctness or genuine uh, praise and so on. So I love that. That's awesome. Okay, number eight. Yeah, the next one is successful teachers are consistent. Successful teachers are consistent. Um, we have to make sure that we're consistent with our rules and our expectations uh, um, with uh, the techniques that are learned, everything has to be consistent. You cannot yes. come in, that student cannot come in one day and have these expectations put upon them and then the next day uh, this expectation put upon them yeah. or requirement or whatever. So, um, yeah. you know, and, you know, some, sometimes we have to uh, be corrected. You know, and it's right. okay. We we have to we have to know that it's and it's going to bring us into the, the the next next one. But we we have to know that it's okay to be corrected. I I've had my students where they have said, you know, uh, but last class you said or uh, Mr. Bean said it's this way, and now you're saying it's this way. Uh, right, so that right, means right. that Mr. Bean and I got to get together, right? Because that's right. usually that's that's one of the biggest things is one instructor is teaching it one way, another instructor is teaching it another way, or, or expecting those type of things. And yeah. so we have to make sure as a successful teacher or your organization that you're in a successful makes a successful teacher by keeping things consistent. Yeah, and you know it, that goes along with the rules 
um, uh, you know, people wearing their uniform. You can't say, okay, Johnny, you know, you, you get one pass, but if Johnny is a continual rule offender, you, if you let him slide, then everyone else is going to follow suit. Or if a, if a higher ranking student is wearing a ripped up, tattered, sloppy looking gi, um, everyone will follow suit. So there has to be consistency in all that you do, even in how you approach parents, promote, you know, promote students, et cetera, et cetera. Yep, so number, number nine. All right, next one is successful teachers are humble and reflective. They're humble and reflective. So, um, you know, obviously a stubborn teacher is not going to be humble and they're not going to be reflective. And that kind of goes back to what I had said before with regards to the fact that, you know, uh, if, if, if I had a student that said, hey, uh, you know, last class or two weeks ago you taught it this way, um, and um, I, I need to be humble enough to go, man, maybe I did make a mistake. Um, and, and reflect upon that and know that, man, if I'm, you know, teaching it one way this day and one way the another way a, a day that, that I need to make sure that I'm, again, going back to the consistent one, yeah. I need to make sure that I'm consistent and be willing, be willing to say, man, I made a mistake. Um, right. And, 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 and that's important. So that's where the humility comes and, and, uh, the reflective part comes because, you know, when we when we reflect on things, it's necessary. You know, we use that as a, a necessary item to uncover any any weaknesses that we might have, so that we can make them strengths, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, I love it. You know, it, it's something that we humility though is a great thing. You know, especially within martial arts. The one thing that I just warn against is don't be so humble and have too much humility where you're afraid to. Look you get pushed at around. the yeah, or you get pushed around, but also not look like the look act and be the expert, right? So it's like you know you have to sometimes, and and this is where some people think that I'm cocky or they think I have an ego because I'm very firm in my my understanding and the way I want things done or the way I see things. Like I don't um, you know fluctuate on my opinion. I have to I, if it's my opinion, I have to stand tall tall and strong on it. I'm not to say that I can't be proven wrong and I don't want to listen and learn, but sometimes people are so afraid to, to show their students that they're the expert and they're so humble, they don't want to ever toot their own horn, so to speak, that they end up looking like they don't know what they're doing, if that, if that makes any sense. Make, makes perfect sense. Cool. Ten? You have a number ten? Uh, I do. Successful teachers uh, seek out mentors of their own. All right. Um, I'll give you a for instance. You know, when I wanted to be a better communicator slash storyteller, I listened to Zig Ziglar because I mm -hmm. loved how his voice and his um, stories captivated me. And I wanted right. to be able to understand how to do that so that I could use that type of communication or that type of communication skills with my own students. Um, right. And it's been one of the best things that I've ever done for myself is to seek out different mentors. Now, a mentor doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that I call up on a phone every single week, although that, that can be the case. Right. Um, but, you know, uh, if you want to be a better communicator, you seek out that mentor that's a better communicator and you utilize the tips and tricks and things that they do. And, and when I say tricks, I don't mean bad things. I just mean yeah. the, the communication abilities for that. And so um, I think it's important as a, as a, uh, a humble, reflective uh, teacher that you go, okay, if this is where my uh, weakness is, 
Where can I go to find a mentor to make me stronger in that weakness? Yeah, I love it. And, you know, that, that I find to be a big deficit in, in, in martial arts school owners and, and not in a negative way, meaning that um, they're so caught up in the day-to-day in the thick of things that they don't put enough time aside to, like you call it, the dreaming room or taking that weekend off to go and brainstorm or um, to do a staff meeting or, or to take a course. Um, you know, and what they don't realize is if they learned more and they were better at what they did, they'd probably have much more time available to do other things and, you know, be better at what they do and more efficient at what they do. So um, number 10, I just added to that. It says successful teachers seek out mentors of their own. Always be the consummate student and don't stop learning. And that's important. I mean, and it's not even just the physical techniques, which is important, right? You want to also be physically uh, learning but also business-wise, philosophically, learning how to teach more, read books on how to mind map and teach and pattern interrupts and all these things that you and I talk about on a regular basis that you and I do just naturally while teaching. But not everyone knows those things. And and even with a new instructor that I'm training, he's under my wing, um, I constantly give him these little tips. And he's like, I didn't realize that. You know, I didn't know that. Uh, You know, and and he's, he's learning really a lot of good stuff. Okay, so 11. All right, uh, so the next one is to successful teachers know how to communicate with parents. They know how to communicate with parents. So um, there is a collaboration with, 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 with parents and teachers that are so important because, I mean, really it's, it's crucial to the student's success. And by the way, if you're, you know, if you're collaborating with a, with a, with a parent, they're the ones, I mean, if we're going to get real here, they're the ones that put the bill. And so right. they need to they need to understand what's going on, why it's going on, and and and, and those type of things. And when a teacher and a parent um, one have have a, a good communication amongst each other, then they can then as and like you had brought up before, then as a united front, they can uh, bring those uh, things to the chil the, the children or the child, so that the child doesn't get you know. Uh, lost or, or you know, they might be demotivated, demotivated and what have you. But when the parent and the, and the teacher are on the same page and the parent knows that the teacher has the best interest or the student's best t- uh, interest in mind, that's going to allow them confidence to be able to help, you know, approach their own son or daughter and say, hey, look, you know, Shihan said this and we decided this and yeah. I know that, you know, you're bored or, or you're, uh, uh, you know, it's hard right now or whatever, and we understand that. Uh-huh. But this is what it's going to be on the other end, and this is how we're going to get there and that type yeah. of thing. So the communication with the parents has to be there. You need to, as a good teacher, create a path of communication so that the parents feel like they can come to you with their concerns and that you can do the same to them. Yeah, and this, this goes back to that story I was talking about where the parent had a question about the schedule because in their mind, they're feeling like their child is not going to get what they need. Um, I wish that relationship was different where they would never even question that, where they'd be like, I've trusted him up until this point, and they got my student to be expelled up until this point, and my student didn't know one ounce of martial arts, and now they're flipping and turning and doing moves and learning all this stuff. Like, why would that end? Like, why does a parent have to step in and start to question um, the the motives? Because the track record is there. You're looking at your child now. Like, I had a parent 
um, that left my school, you know, a year ago, and they were like, well, well, you're not teaching my kid what he needs to learn. Like, of course I am. You just don't believe it anymore, right? Like, you just need to set back and trust me, and I promise you the results will be unbelievable, but I'm the expert. I know what I'm doing. Let me do what I do. I'm not telling you how to parent. Let, don't tell me how to get your kid to be amazing. Just trust that I'm going to do that. So it is that collaboration and that path of communication. But sometimes you may be on different wavelengths and you have to do your best as an instructor to try to at least find the middle ground to communicate because if the trust is not there, not, not, if the parent doesn't trust the teacher and think that they're going to do the job, you will never have a good relationship and the, and the results will be minimized by, I'd say, like 75%. Well, and, and then obviously it could end up where it's like Congress. They, they, they don't communicate at all. Right. <laughs> so I just yeah. had to throw that in there. Um, yeah. And you never get anything done then. All right, next one. Next one. Uh, successful teachers. This kind of goes back to one that we already talked about to a certain degree. But successful teachers enjoy their work. It goes back a little bit to the one that we talked about with, with, with the purpose, right? You have to have a purpose. But it's easy to uh, spot instructors or teachers that love their work. And so now – it kind of goes back to what you said. You know, you weren't motivated necessarily to go in and teach that one night, but once you got there, oh, man, you were on fire, right? And maybe I'm just right. putting words in your mouth to a certain no, degree. No, no, that's But I've true. done that. Yeah. We all have done that, right? We, we, Oh, man, I don't want to go in today. And then you step yeah. out on that floor and you're just like – and sometimes it's even the best night that you, you, you've had yeah. in a long time. Oh, yeah, and so, absolutely. Right. So, it's you know, uh, uh, again, without beating this one up, successful teachers enjoy their work. Yeah. Um, well, well, and also, too, understanding that, you know, when you're not having fun, even though that you think you're pretending to have fun, people could clearly see it just in your body structure, your posturing, you know, words you use, the expressions on your face. And I have to tell you that there was a period of time within the last year and a half where I had a, a small group of parents that were just miserable, no matter what they did. Like when I came in, I'm like, oh, I'm ready to go. Dwayne, I can't wait. I'm going to teach the best. Oh, my God, you're here? Like in my head, I'm saying that because I knew that they just wouldn't be happy. I knew that they were just going to always find the negative and the bad and everything. And by the way, sometimes we have to understand that and recognize that and maybe get rid of those people. Because you said before, it's your happy place, right? And if you're coming This is in, my happy not, house. <laughs> yeah, it's your happy house, right? It's your happy place. And if it's not because there are people there that are stopping that, you need to get rid of them so that you can make it your happy place. Because if you're miserable, way more people will be affected by it. So if those people are making you miserable, all they do is complain, all they have is issues, all they have is smirks on their face or roll in their eyes, it's better to just say, hey, listen, I'm not your flavor of ice cream. Maybe it's time we move on. Maybe it's time that we, you know, we part ways so that you can be happy and I can be happy. And that's okay. We don't have to leave hating each other. It's not like a bad divorce. You could say, hey, listen, the guy was honest with me. He just wanted me to be happy, so he kicked me out of his school because I was miserable. Or I wasn't happy, he let me go. He wants me to be happy, that kind of thing. So, uh, right. yes, you have to enjoy your work and love what you do. All right, next one. Successful teachers adapt to their students' needs. Let me say that again. Uh, they adapt to their students' needs. You know, our classrooms really, like, on a day-to-day -day basis, right, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, I mean, really, if we think about it, 
on a day-to-day basis, they're ever-evolving. One day right. you can step in on the floor and everybody's pumped and motivated. The next day you can step out on the floor. It's the same exact people, but you step out on the floor and half of them are motivated, the other aren't, or some of them aren't. It could be the phase of the moon, right? It could be, I don't know, if they're... Oh, uh, if, we had that Monday, dude. It was like everyone was like, I'd say turn left, they ran right. I'd say stop doing that. Don't fall down. The whole class would fall down. You know, like it was that day I turned to my guy, Wrenchy Ryan, and I said to Wrenchy Ryan, I go like, oh, my God, what's going on today? It's like the day that tests your patience as a sensei. But you're right, though. It's environmental. It's the energy. It's the lighting. It's the weather. Well, and we don't know what happened at home. I mean, some kid could have found out that his parents are getting divorced, and now he's coming to right. class. You know, right. so uh, so the thing is, we need to be able to make a connection with our students. Um, you know, obviously, still have those goals and expectations that we talked about them. You know, about them before, but we need to know them well enough to be able to adapt to their needs at that time and meet them where they're at. Um, so again, a successful teacher adapts to students' needs. Yes, absolutely. All right. So uh, you know what? Are you ready for the next one? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, so successful teachers uh, welcome, let me say this again, they welcome change in the classroom. Yeah. All right, so this is, this is kind of similar to the one that we just talked about, but I've, I can remember doing, uh, you know, a class where, uh, you know, everybody was just not motivated. They were, you know, um, whatever it was. And so even though I had a goal for that day, Right. Even though I had said, hey, guys, we're going to work on, you know, these three things today and this is what we want to accomplish. Uh, I, I scrapped it. I just totally uh-huh. scrapped it and started doing some fun stuff. We played some games. And then by the end of class, uh, we, we I think we accomplished one of the goals that I'd set out for the three that we got that, to that today. Um, was it what I wanted to do? No. But I have to be able to uh, welcome that change in the classroom because it's not all about me. It's not all about my needs. It's not all about my expectations. I have to uh, understand the mood of the class and, and welcome that change if I need to do it. Yeah, and where, where's everyone going, honestly? Like, what's the race? Like, you know, like my dad and mom used to say, who's going to the fire? Like, you know, like that kind of thing. So I, I wish parents understood, like, it doesn't have to be a, a, a timeline. It's not like public school where if they don't make it between this month and that month, they fail and they get held back a grade. It's about the evolution of a, of a student, right, starting at whatever they start at, going to wherever they're going to go to. And wherever they are right now at that point is where they're supposed to be. I mean, of course – you know, we may have to change our methodology, work with them a little differently. Maybe they have special requests or needs that we have to work with. But overall, the ultimate goal is to have fun, to learn and be a better martial artist. And hopefully if the school is doing self-defense and really cares about self-defense, that they're learning how to be aware enough to defend themselves in a real situation. So it's important. Um, be able to adapt. You're right. Like there are certain days you want to do this and the kids are just off the wall. So you got to change or else it would be a classroom of chaos and you'd be pulling your hair out. So, you, you know, a parent might go, well, they didn't learn their bow staff today. Well, that's because none of them were listening. You know, I had to, I had to mix it up and change it up. So cool. We're on 15 now. All right. So successful teachers take time to explore new tools. Right. All right. Now, a new tool may not necessarily mean a 
brand new tool. It just might be a new right. tool for your classroom. So, uh, for instance, if you've never used music in your class to pump it up right. and motivate it while they're doing uh, forms or doing uh, self-defense, or that could be a new tool where you put on this, you know, really upbeat music uh, yeah. as a new tool to motivate them to, you know. So, uh, and, and, and a new tool doesn't necessarily have to be that. It could be the, a brand new thing. Like I can remember when the when the uh, Focus Masters came out, you know, yeah. and that whole that whole product. To me, that was a new tool. I wanted to buy that. I wanted to implement that. I wanted to be able to use those uh, in my classroom. We still use them now. It's not a new tool for me anymore. Yeah. Um, but there are new tools on the market year after year in the martial arts industry uh, that if they do fit and you feel that they could benefit your classroom, you don't be afraid to do that. Um, also, this might go back into the mentor a little bit, but there's new tools being developed uh, uh, teaching-wise. You know, we all understand the concept of praise, correct, praise. Uh, right. Uh, you know, maybe we understand the concept of um, – uh, using healthy competition or voice inflection or, you know, just a whole bunch of different things. But if you've never heard of those before, those are new tools for you. Um, so successful teachers take the time to, and this is the key word, explore new tools. Well, you know, and, and it's interesting, there's two things that you mentioned. And I wrote an article many, many, many years ago on this, and it was called Music is the Soundtrack to Your Classroom, right? So, um you know, we last night, I always go to the kids, heavy metal, you don't want to listen to heavy metal? And they're like, yeah. And I always have, I have the Partridge Family song. Hello, world, it's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. You know, that one. And, um, and then they're like, no, that's not it. And then I'll put on like some rock that I love, you know. And um, last night during black belt class, just subtly in the background. And by the way, every single black belt test I run from start to finish, we run the, sam the soundtrack of The Last Samurai. So music is important. I have a client and friend and coach, uh, coaching client that he refuses to play music in class. It's just not traditional. It's just not it, you know, and I get it. That's the way he's been brought up. But it really does change the attitude and environment in everything. And also, um, you know, I had I just shot a video and I think I posted it on our school owner talk page where I have all the broken wave masters and we pull out the plastic cylinder and we just use the outer padding. We have like 20 of them. And we stand them up, and the kids do one-two punch, roundhouse kick. We do double-leg takedowns. They'll do jumping heel kicks and knock the pads over. I mean, we turn this into an almost entire curriculum of working with a broken wave master. Um, we use that, ours, too, for uh, tug-of-war. Yeah, that's cool, too. Yeah, we carry them. We, we, you know, we dive roll over them. We do all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, we're using an old tool, technically a broken tool. And I have a friend of mine that said, damn, I just threw four of them away. I'm like, you should have kept the outside pad part and used it, right? And you know the big round part that fills with water or sand or whatever? Yep. We, we used to hang them with a string in the back from the trees in my outside garden in my, uh, my school in East Islip and pushed them. And the kids would have to make it through you know, without getting hit like one of those old Chinese temple uh, things with the big trees. Cool. It was pretty, pretty fun. Yeah. So there's so many ways to make things exciting. So, okay, cool. You have um, seven, 16. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So successful teachers give their students emotional support. I know this kind of crosses over, um, you know, on uh, adapting to the students' needs, but this is a little bit different. 
Um, we have to be able to give them emotional support when they when they need it. Um, being able to connect with them on an emotional level, it's going to make it going to make it better, meaning that they're going to view you uh, as, you know, somebody that they're going to take advice from as a counselor type right. thing. Yeah. Um, in as much as we need mentors, our students need mentors as well. And we, as their martial arts teacher, can also be, and I think we should be, more than just the kick and punch and block dudes and dudettes, right? We need to be that emotional support from time to time. I can't tell you how many times I've had to sit down and talk with um, I, and I shouldn't say I've had to sit down. I've gotten to sit down with students that have gone through things or are going through things. Um, yeah. I remember. I remember one time. Uh, this was a parent, and she's an. She. I mean, she's a parent. She's older. Uh, she lost her husband, or excuse me, lost her um, uh, her own dad. And I remember sitting down with her because I said, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that. And we were talking, and and. My wife was like, I cannot believe you said this to her. And, again, this is a parent. She's not in the program. Her kid's in my program. Uh, In fact, the kid was one of my instructors. So I said to her, I looked at her, and I go, it just sucks, doesn't it? And she's like, like, you could see this release. And see, my dad died when I was 15. I understand it. It sucks. You know, is it sad? Yeah. I mean, but it sucks. And I said Mm -hmm. that to her. I go, it's – I said, I know it sucks, doesn't it? And she's – just her whole demeanor was like she, like, released a whole bunch of right. whatever. Right, And she's right. like, you are so right. She said, thank you for saying that. And so, again, we need to, and, and maybe not just, I, mean, I said we need to give our students emotional support, but we also maybe, you know, need to be able to do that with the parents as well. And I did have a good relationship with them. Uh, they had been with me for probably six years by that time. Uh, her kid, like I said, was an instructor of mine at that time. And, and so I, I had a little bit deeper relationship with her than I would have with most parents that especially, right. you know, start out yeah. with me. But that's so important. Yeah, and you know what? Um, if you have a good relationship with your students, young and old, young or older, whether they're kids or adults and they're your students, or the parents that go along with it, we have to be able to be that mentor. Like my good friend, um, uh, his name is Bob Austin, Professor Bob Austin in Colorado. He talks about doc- – oh, you know Bob. And, uh, and he talks about Dr. Hoffmaning. And I'm like, what is that? You know, he told me that means like when you say, uh, you know, you, you go, well, studies show, Harvard studies show, and Dr. Hoffman said that if you eat too much sugar, you can do this, this, and this to your body. Like, but if it's just me or you, we might say don't eat too much sugar. And they're like, ah, who cares? You know, he's a vegan. That's all he cares about is that. You know, but um, so we have to become the resident expert within our school, right? And um, sometimes parents and students look up to us at the point where they just want to be heard from us and they just want to have us speak to them. Just be there for them. Be their confidant, the shoulder to cry on. The one thing I do say is be careful that you don't have too many energy vampires that are always doing this to you where you have no time to do what you need to do because everyone will pour their heart out if you become the person that could, you know, you could just walk into the office and say, hey, you got a second? And take that hour's worth of time to chat with you. So just be careful of that. But be there for your people. Guide them in ways that they never thought. That's what the old martial art relationship was, is being able to help people in all aspects of what they do, not just how to kick and punch. Yep. Cool. All right, next one. Yeah, yeah, successful teachers bring fun into the classroom. All right, they bring fun into the classroom. Don't be 
don't be too serious. You know, um, I, I, I like, uh, and I, I think I first heard this from Melody Schumann, but uh, edutainment. You know, it needs yeah. to be educational and it needs to be entertaining all at the same time. Yeah. And so, you know, if, we, if our classroom is too serious, uh, I think that that's a problem. If it's too funny, then that's a problem as well. That's kind right. of where I go back to what Zig Ziglar said. You know, every seven to ten or seven to nine minutes, I throw a funny in. I try to do the same thing. I try to throw that humor in every seven to, to, to nine minutes where, again, it's right. a pattern interrupt. It gets them to laugh. They can kind of, whew, okay, that was serious for, you know, seven minutes, and then boom, now we're yeah. right back to focusing, right. that type of thing. So we, we yeah, do and, need and, to bring fun into the classroom. And I always say there's a there's a, a very distinct difference between being funny or having fun and being goofy, right? So if you don't – let the, if you let the kids cross the line rather than them having fun and, and bouncing around, they're going to spin around and fall down and not listen. And, you know, so you just got to be good enough to be able to navigate that fine line of what's fun and what's goofy and also explain that to the children. And, and you know, even with adults as well, you got to have a line drawn in the sand where they know they're not crossing that line with you as their mentor or their sensei. Right. And, I, you know, my phrase is uh, I always tell the students, uh, hey, look, I like to have fun, but I don't mess around. Right, right, exactly. I love that. That's, that's awesome. That's what I tell them. So, and now uh, also remember that um, uh, uh, you know having fun in the classroom is 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 a foundation, I think, to help building that trust and that respect too. Um, so it's important to have that fun in the classroom. Right. Absolutely. Right. Ready for another one? We, I think we already we started. We're at like an hour and five minutes already. Just a few more. Okay, good. I'm, re- I'm happy. Keep going. All right. Successful teachers teach uh, holistically. So we, uh, and we, I think, do this the best uh, as martial arts teachers. Uh, and by the way, uh, all of these things, right, all of these things, a, a, an educator in the school could take and use these uh, concepts, right? But, right. but this, this one, teaching holistically, I think we do the best at because right. we have the opportunity, like you had said before, you know, we, we're starting them in kindergarten in our system, and we're bringing them all the way through high school and college in our system. And so we've got that one-room school or that one-room schoolhouse mentality that right. we, can treat, we can treat the whole person all the way through. And by the way, like yeah. I said before, I, I believe that we can do that the best. When you have yeah. a child that comes in, they just learned that their parents are having a divorce, um, and they are a wreck, and they're doing horrible in that classroom, right? And you know what's going on because mom told you that, they, that he just found out he might not be on his game today. You know, you're able to teach that, that child and work with them holistically all the way through that and beyond. And, and again, I, I can't say this enough. I think that we have the ability to be able to do that uh, the best. Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. All right, ready for the next one? Yep. All right, successful teachers, and again, some of these cross, but successful teachers never stop learning. All right, your education yeah. may stop uh, at, uh, at, at uh, college or master's degree or whatever, but, but your, your, um, uh, your learning should never stop. Right. And so learning how to teach better, learning how to do your craft better, learning how – Whatever it is, we should consistently be uh, in a learning phase, in a learning process, always. Right. I agree. We definitely, we mentioned that above to number 10, 
um, you know, successful teachers seek out mentors of their own. Always be consummate, be the consummate student. Don't stop learning. But I, I love it. Successful teachers should have interest in everything, like we said before. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, successful teachers, they know how to break out of the box. They know how to be different. They're not the same uh, Ferris Bueller day off teacher, right? You remember right. that? Bueller. Yeah. Bueller. Yeah. yeah exactly. So, so we, we, we need to know how to break out of the box, you know. Um, we need to know how to be different. Um, we need to know how to make the classroom exciting. And, 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 and uh, you, like we talked about before, using new teaching tools, teaching methods, those, those type of things. Right. This is a little bit different with regards to the fact that we're out of the box. We're not the same old right. average guy or gal. Right. No doubt. No doubt. That's so important. I mean, and to seek out different ways of doing things, right? And you no know, finding like, okay, we, we call it in our school disguising repetition, right? It's the same drill, but how do I teach it in a different manner to make it new and fresh and interesting and exciting? Yep. You have a, you have a few more? Two more. Two more. All right. Awesome. All right. So a successful teacher needs to uh, be a great communicator and storyteller. Um, they're not mutually exclusive, you know, being able to communicate to the student and the parent but that is one thing, but being able to tell stories that have uh, some moral and ethical values along with it or teaching concepts along with it are highly important. So uh, we as, as uh, martial arts teachers specifically, I think, again, can do this the best where, you know, we are able to teach them um, through good stories and through being a expert communicator. What does that entail? Oh, a bunch of different things. You know, know how to throw the funnies in, knowing how to use your voice inflection, knowing when to use a good pause. See what I did there? Right. Right? Yeah. So, uh, and, and how to build that dramatic uh, uh, story and then, you know, uh, throw it in to then motivate them to, to keep moving. So we have to be right. expert communicators and uh, storytellers. Absolutely, without a doubt. One awesome. more. Last yep. one. Ready? I'm ready. All right, so successful teachers are masters of their subject. What does that mean? That means that you're a master in your craft, right? You right. need to know how to do the moves at a level that a master should be doing those moves. And then being able to, part of your craft is being able to, going back to a lot of these other ones, communicate that uh, to the, uh, you know, to the individuals that are learning that from you. So we have to be masters of our subject. Yeah, I agree. And, um, and you know, it's uh, successful teachers are masters of their subject. Know your stuff inside and out. Walk the walk and talk the talk. Don't just talk the talk. Know how to actually walk the walk. This is so important. So, uh, yeah, yeah we, 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 22 of these you gave out, which is awesome. I had uh, an instructor, and uh, he uh, he would do. I'm gonna kind of stand up so you can see, but he would do this, and he ha- and he's a little overweight, right? And so it would. I trying to push this out, yeah. but anyways, he 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 goes. This is my credibility gap. <laughs> That's and, funny, and, and really, and really, he's right. You know, if if we're teaching that martial arts is gonna you know help you stay fit and healthy and those type of things, and you're overweight as an instructor. And, and, and by the way, you know, hey, look, 
Uh, I'm not trying to, you know, get on anybody if you are overweight. But what I'm saying is there is a, a credibility gap. And he brought that up. I didn't, right? Right. And so, you know, if we're going to, like you said, practice what we preach, we need to now utilize that. Now, fortunately for me, I have a, a pretty high metabolism. But I will tell right. you that I'm on track right now. I'm on the Reduce the Fat Boy plan, too, because uh, if I get down to – I need to lose three more pounds by the end of this week, and I'll have lost 20 pounds in three weeks. Wow, good for you. And I don't, you probably can't see it because I have more hair on my face now. But um, the, 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 the thing is, you know, I didn't want a credibility gap. I'm like, wait yeah. a second here. You know, uh, it wasn't all 20 pounds came on over Christmas vacation, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, it's important to practice what you preach. And, you know, it's interesting, too, and I find this to be, uh, you know, questionable, too, that there are some students uh, that, that follow teachers that are absolutely the anti everything of what they should be. You know, they're overweight, they're out of shape, they drink, they curse, they do all this stuff. And still people will follow them, you know, and I always found that to be interesting, you know, and I, I am always still blown away by how many people don't really care at finding a teacher that really walks the walk and talks the talk, right? Um, so, but the majority of people see it, you know, and that's important, that the majority of people are looking for real deal mentors and, and martial artists. Well, I hope so this... Awesome. Uh covers a lot. What did you say? We had 22? Yeah, I posted them all already on the Facebook, uh, on the, the page, the hidden page, and um, our private group, I should say. So they're all up there. I've listed all 22 of them, and uh, they're up right now. So it's been a great call. I mean, I love it. I, I think that there we could literally do a part two of this, um, but now take it out of the classroom setting, the teacher, some mentor setting, and bring that same mentality into the um, on the on the business aspect of you know we could almost apply all of these but now talk about them as far as where in business clear objectives you know sense of purpose and talk about what we think that is within the business we should discuss that whether we want to do that yeah it sounds fine to me so well I I appreciate this time and and uh, again I just want to remind everybody that if you're listening to the podcast uh, you're not here with us live um, go to schoolownertalk.com and uh, go to the link that will take you to the private page and request to be part of the private group so that you can uh, see these things live and then also some of the other uh, stuff that we're going to share with, uh, you know, only in this private group. So, Allie, thanks a lot, sir, and everybody else. Thank yeah, you Dwayne. for being a part of this. Awesome, dude. I'll talk to you soon. Everybody have a great day.